Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Okay, well, without further ado, you guys know we've been doing a testimony series. This is going to be our conclusion night of the testimony series. And so leading us off is Miss Ashlyn Hanks. Give a hand for Ashlyn. I was about to ask if you had a water. All right. Hey, y'all. Um, my name is Ashlyn Hanks. I'm sure most of you know me already, but if not, um, I'm 18. It's my last week of school. I'm so excited. I'm a senior, so I'm so ready for that to be done. Um, but anyway, um, tonight, yeah, it is the, the ending night of testimonies, and so I only have 15 minutes. And um, I'd kind of had like a different idea of what I was going to say up here. And um, just recently, God just kind of like changed my mindset a little bit um, to something like a little shorter because it's really that alone is really who I am. Um, and so when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, um, you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life. We've all gone through a lot of stuff you could talk about anything. Um, but I just wanted to talk about something that I actually wasn't even there for, but it has had the most impact out of everything else that has happened in my life, not only to me, but to other people that hear my story. So, um, just, just kind of think about this for a second. What do you think about when you think about a testimony? Like, do you think about, oh, someone's in court and they're giving a testimony of a car accident they saw or a murder or what do you think about when you think about a testimony? Um, and so I'm going to kind of take you back to a place that I actually wasn't ever there for. Um, my parents got married a little late in life, and they were about 20, 25, 26, around that age. And, you know, they were kind of already married later, so they didn't there was no time to just kind of wait around and they were already ready to have children and have a family and build a house. And they knew each other back when they were teenagers in high school. So, um, they were so ready for that. Um, so, so I got married. We have a big family. I have so many cousins and second cousins. It's ridiculous. I don't, some <laughs> Austin jokes all the time. He's like, I don't even know that one's name. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to show us how big our family is. And so um, my mom and dad, new little married couple, they would go to all the parties for these kids. And they would watch the parents, you know, give the cake to the kid. And they dive in and they just eat. And, you know, oh, my gosh, four, four years old already. Oh, my gosh. And they would just sit there. And they were really ready for that season of their life already. Um, and they end up finding out not too long after they were married that they could not have children. And that was one of the things that they longed for the most. They wanted kids and they wanted to give what they had and maybe the lacks that they didn't have um, in their childhood to someone and somebody. And um, so when they found that out, that could be some of the hardest times that you could ever go through when you find out that something that you want so badly by man, you can't have. And um, so... They kind of got on some treatments, actually, because man's like, oh, this is going to work and this is going to work. We can try. But actually, you know, I mean, we're all older here. We know, like, science is science. And 
if a doctor says you can't have a kid, most of the time they're like, okay, well, there's that. We'll adopt. Um, and they actually ended up getting pregnant. And that was a really, really big deal. And about, I think it was like three months later, they had a miscarriage for that baby. And that kind of put them in like a slump, like, okay, well, God gave us a baby and now it's gone. The one thing that we've always wanted actually came and it went in a very short amount of time. And there was a grieving process there that only people who go through that can understand. I don't even understand all what happened, but it could be, according to them, some of the most difficult moments that someone could ever face. And um, the doctors was like, yeah, since this already happened too, like, you see, got pregnant, but the baby didn't survive. So see, there is, there's no way that this can happen. And they tried having children for six to seven years. And my mom, um, God actually told my mom one day, um, after all this time, now we see my family's so big, right? Everyone in my family is praying and praying and praying little kids. And actually I just found this out not too long ago, but they all got their own little pair of baby shoes and they'd each have a baby shoe and they'd stick it by their lamp and lampstand at night. And every night before they went to bed, they'd all pray that Miss Wendy and Mr. Derek would have a baby. And I didn't know that. And so like, wow, wow, that's cool. And, um, God actually told my mom one day that she was pregnant and my mom, it's kind of like when God tells you something, there's no denying that God told you that. And she just knew she went to the hospital to have an ultrasound and the doctor said, Hmm, well, yeah, there, there's a heartbeat, but there's no baby there. Do not tell anyone that you're pregnant because you're not. My mom's like, mm-hmm. okay, that's funny because God told me I'm pregnant. So, and there is a heartbeat there. Okay. Like the nurses did not even believe it. They were like, no, it's not true. And um, let me just say nine months later on January 22nd, 2001, I was born. And, you know, one of the things I just kind of want to leave with y'all is like, is there something that you're believing for? Is there something that you have a dream, a desire, something that you want? Because I know that I'm not supposed to be here. And there are other people like me that are not supposed to be here. And actually, okay, I was a very ugly baby. This is me as a baby. I was one day old. My mom wrote on the back, it's January 23rd. Um, But my grandparents ended up telling me this, that um, after I was born, because it was such a big deal, like my whole family took off of work, they drove in from other states to see the baby that they had prayed so hard for actually be here, like, on earth, like, oh, my gosh. Um, and so um, my grandparents actually, um, they're both ordained ministers, and they took this picture. I'm pretty sure it was this picture. And they went around the United States, and I think they said they even went to other countries, and they prayed over women to have a baby. And women would, like, months later find out that they're pregnant and, like, I didn't even know that. And so, like, for me, it's a very humbling thing to know, like, something that my parents wanted so badly actually came into existence because they believed in God. And, you know, we all know shortly later, Austin comes along, and now they have two of us. And um, their life went from no babies at all to now two babies. And that was fun, for a good bit until we finally were old enough and, you know, here we are today. Um, and so I just kind of want to say, like, 
they could have said no. They could have kind of walked away from God in this season. They could have just adopted. They could have gone a totally different route or not had kids at all. And the only reason they believe and I believe that God gave them a baby was because they persisted and because they believed in God and because they gave him the glory. And like something that I kind of just thought about recently is like, it's my story, but it's his glory. And, you know, like, why would people go around? Like, I can't go around telling the story because it like, and and it'd be all about me because it's not. None of it's about me. I wasn't even here. But like the fact that he did that for me and did that for them, did that for Austin, you know, it's just such a big deal. And so today, actually, I was thinking, I was like, okay, what does the word testimony actually mean? And I looked it up. And if this doesn't just kind of like seal the deal, it says testimony, evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. Evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. And let me tell you what, your, my testimony is because, yeah, I'm here, I'm existing. That's, that's my testimony wrapped up in everything it could be. And I've gone through other things in my life, but that's mainly my testimony. It's the existence that I'm here. But guess what? Your testimony is the same thing. You're here. That's already a big enough deal. What you're going to do and what you're going to accomplish in your life and what, who you're going to see and be a part of and, Make a difference. You know, it's only because the proof in existence that you're here and that you are going to make a difference in other people's lives. And that's your testimony. So thank you all so much. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. So testimony, evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. And so obviously, like, you know, that was a faith story of her parents. And I mean, I have good friends, you know, uh, me and Jonathan have good friends that they have kids and they've struggled with this as well. And I know for sure, you know, firsthand, not from my experience, but from their experience, man, it's, it's got, it's a, it's a tough thing to lose a kid, lose a child and, and then want to continue to try for a child, um, but this, so she just talked about uh, testimony, the definition. Um, so Hebrews 11.1 1 gives the definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so it's crazy that like a testimony is evidence of things that you've seen. Faith is evidence of things that you've not seen. I don't know. I didn't develop it there because it was just in the back. But man, there's a there's a message there. There's a message there of of wow. You know, it, another I think further down here it talks about um, you cannot please God without faith, and it talks about faith is required. Um, man, that's powerful, Ashlyn. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's not my story. Well, it's my story. Yeah, but yeah, but that's good. Thank you, girl. Appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Um. Next, we have Grace or Luke. I don't know. I've been getting them confused a lot lately. Um, is is so Grace first or Luke first? Y'all are both gonna come. This is even more confusing. Okay, real quick. 
<laughs> before before we get started, the other day I text Luke. I'm like, "Hey, buddy, love you, man. Uh, hope hope everything's going well." Blah, blah, blah. I can't remember a bunch of stuff. And then I get a text back from Grace. Like my text was to Luke, and it came back from Grace. So she got my text. So like half the time he gets the text, half the time like I don't know their phone's kind of messing up. So anyway, that's kind of the the backstory there. I did not ask Grace to lunch today. It was Luke. <laughs> So I think oh, Grace is going to go first. So. Oh, Jonathan's disappointed. Oh, Grace is going to go. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, so, yeah, I am Grace Koenig. Um, been here for a while. I have seen many of you. I'm sure many of you have seen me. Um, so, like just about everybody else, I'm going to start it off by saying I was a church kid. I think... I think there was it was everybody except maybe two who weren't church kids up here. So, yeah, that's the story that you guys get. That's the perspective you get. Um, so I grew up in, how do I say, more than Christian. <laughs> it was a very um, radical experience, I guess. My parents both got saved, just really radically changed by God. Um, and they believed the Bible with their whole heart, which is amazing. You know, I grew up, um, I gave my life to God when I was three years old. I started speaking in tongues when I was like four or five years old, like that, it was real to me, you know, and that was just fostered in my family. Um, having a relationship with God just came so naturally because that's just what, how it was in my family. Um, so with that, let me see how I'm going to stick to my notes a little bit. So yeah, born and raised in a Christian home. Um, and then obviously that's an important thing to know, born and raised in a Christian home. And another important thing to know that you all can see I was born with one hand. Um, no cool story. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's a thing that happened. It's, I was born with one hand. I always wish that I had a cooler story to tell, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so with that, growing up in a Christian home, I grew up, like I'm telling you, three, four years old, up at the altar, like, I believe that God is going to heal my hand. I have the faith that God is just going to miraculously heal it. And that's just what I was taught. You know, God is a God of miracles. He um, is just a miraculous, powerful God, and he can He can do it. And so I believed it. Um, so let me see. Born and raised up in that. Um, born in Lafayette. We moved to Texas. My dad was an associate pastor. So I just had, had all that faith and through, throughout that whole time, just, oh my gosh, everybody that I'd hear, just keep that faith. Just keep the faith. Don't ever lose the faith. You know, so that's, it was just drilled in my head. Faith, keep the faith. God can do it. Um, so then we moved to Oklahoma when I was still young. I was about six years old and my dad became a pastor in Oklahoma. And about three years into that, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and it was a blood cancer. Um, it wasn't introduced to us kids as a cancer. It was, it was called, it's called myelofibrosis. And that thought, so although we knew that it was, we didn't know that it was cancer because it was very slow moving. Um, it's not like what you would typically think, like he immediately goes into chemo, radiation, all that stuff. It, it really, it was a slow fade. And, um, so I'll say that those first three years, that we lived in Oklahoma, it was pretty normal. And then um, the third year he got diagnosed with cancer. And then it was a journey of about seven years where we moved about, I think I have it in here. Let me see. We moved 11 times 
in those seven years. And that was due to just real financial instability. You know, my dad just slowly, slowly declined. He was still pastoring. Um, but there was just like the church was really little. There wasn't any income. He, he couldn't get a job outside of that. He couldn't work. You know, it was, it was just a lot of instability. And in that time, I probably became the most religious person that you've ever met in your life because the rules get you the result that you want. You know, the, in the Bible, you know, if you, if you believe in the Bible, if you believe in God, if you do these things, then this is the result that you're going to get. So I, I just drew to the stability of rules, and in that came religion. It wasn't so much of that relationship um, that I had in that. And um, so those seven years that we were still in Oklahoma, so a total of 10 years, we were in Oklahoma, and it eventually came to the point where my dad you know, he couldn't do it anymore. He was, he was really, really declining. And so we ended up moving to Louisiana and that was the scariest. Oh my gosh. I did not want to do that. I mean, I, I grew, I grew up completely in Oklahoma. You know, all of my friends were there. Um, all of my, you know, people that I knew as my family were there and we moved here and it was just complete culture shock. And, um, you know, that financial instability just grew more and more. You know, we were in and out of other families' homes. Basically, we were relying on the graciousness of other people. We were living here for three months. We were living here for a few months. I think the longest place we lived was like a year and a half. And um, it was just bouncing around and just no stability. And in, in all of that, just that religious type of thing, just, man, it just attached so hard on my heart. And I get emotional when I see it now. Because it's like I grew up from having that genuine relationship with God, and it was like this slow fade into where I became so numb to the chaos that was going on in my life, but I also became so numb to just everything. I became numb to even the Holy Spirit, to to the Spirit of God. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to feel anymore. You know, I just turned it all off. And um, so we're living here. We end up. Let me see. Ooh, yeah, that happened. It's it's odd. I had never planned out this whole timeline since actually coming up here trying to do my testimony. Um, but 2015 hit, and that was the, I call it the best and the worst year of my life. Um, best, because that's when Luke and I started dating. Um, Shasha, my man. <laughs> um, but worst, because that's whenever things just really plateaued to the very worst that it has ever been with my dad. He was in and out of the hospital. He was more in the hospital than he was out. Um, man, he coded so many times. The family got called in so many times. And um, it was complete chaos. You know, um, just complete chaos. And... Um, so it was actually, I believe it was that year, the end of that year where my dad actually, he, he ended up having a transplant and, um, you know, it was still up and down, whatever, whatever, but all of that stuff had still happened. It was still touch and go even after that. And it was in, um, uh, I think, believe December that he got the transplant. And then January we went to the ramp. Um, and that was the first time that I had gone. So we had started coming to this church now and part of the leadership, we went to the ramp that Pastor Brady was just talking about. And, um, I don't know if it was the first night or second night. I can't even remember what night it was, but we were in worship 
And, um, you know, it had been a full worship set. And I think that this was the last song. And uh, they started singing a song that I'd never heard before. I know it very well now. Uh, it's called King of My Heart. And um, I had, like I said, I'd never heard it before. So, you know, they were singing it along and sing the verse and the chorus. It, you know, sings over and over, you are good, you are good, oh, you are good. You know, and so I'm just kind of standing there humming along to it like, okay, you know, don't really know the song, whatever. And then it gets to the bridge part. And um, in the bridge, in the bridge, it says, you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. And they just repeat that over and over. And in that time in my life, I couldn't even sing the words. It felt like a lie to sing those words because, man, I had felt so let down, you know, like the God that I believed in whenever I was so young, that's not the God that was showing himself to me that I, you know, that that's how I felt. This isn't the same thing. There's a disconnect here. I did the right things. I believed in you, God. And this is the result that I get. It's like in that moment, I remember the worship leader just stopped the song and she just encouraged everyone just to sing it out in faith. And um, in that moment, it was like every stone that I had held against God to build that wall against him. It's like I just started taking those stones and just throwing them at God. I believed in you, God. I trusted you, God. And it was like I just came face to face. All of that numbness just went away, and I was feeling everything. You know, I saw how far I had come from being in his presence and how far, how far I had come, you know, just all of that hurt and everything. And um, in that moment, um, I can remember after, after saying all that stuff to him, it was like I got this picture of God where he was crying too. And he was just so glad that I was just talking to him, even if it was that I was mad. He was just so glad that that wall was gone, that he just wanted to talk with me. And um, so anyways, saying all of that to say, um, I actually heard something the other day. I was listening to a podcast by Terry Wardle. He's an incredible speaker, just so, such a genuine relationship with God that he has. And um, the title of the podcast, um, let me see if I can scroll down to it. I want to say it right. So the title of the podcast was Dazzled or Deeply Known. And um, he talked about how a lot of times we ask for God to dazzle us. You know, we ask for God to, to just show up and show off. We want to see a miraculous power. We want to be stunned by you. We, we just, we believe that it's there. We, be, we just want to see it. And I believe that God absolutely can perform miracles and he's powerful. I believe that 100%. But the way that um, Terry Wardle described it, he said that, um, let me see. Like I said, I want to, I want to say it right. He, he just said it so well. Um, in the times of trial is whenever God develops our, our faith more deeply in the fact that it's not just a one-time done deal. He can show up in those trials through so many different ways. The longer that those trials can go on, the more times that he can show his love and his faithfulness to us through other people, through circumstances, and it, and it grows our faith so much more naturally and so much more deeply. And so I just want to encourage you guys that um, in those trials, 
I just want to encourage you guys to see God moving in those. I was thinking the other day about how, um, I don't know, I'll kind of brag on him a little bit. In that year of 2015, I can remember times where like the only time that I would actually pray to God was to thank God for Luke and I's relationship. You know, like that was the one blessing that I could see. And so it's just, there's, there's multiple different things how, how God will just insert himself in ways that you don't expect into your trial. So I just want to encourage you, like, if you're going through stuff, like look for God. Sometimes it's not always evident right in front of you, but just make the decision to look for God and he's faithful and he's, he's going to be there. Okay, so my turn now. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Luke. Um, I'm Grace's husband. Um, I have a similar background. My, um, my mom from really since I was born was in ministry. Um, she would lead worship. Uh, we, for a while growing up, I would, um, we went to a church in Bethany or in Baton Rouge called Bethany. I mean, we stayed there for a while and what eventually brought us to, um, Lafayette was starting a, uh, church over here. So we had moved, helped starting a church. And, um, at that church I actually ended up meeting Grace. Um, so we started dating, um, and then everything, you know, kind of happened with uh, her, her dad. And it was the craziest thing I'd ever been through in my life. Um, and around that same time, um, well, let me give a little more backstory. Growing up, I always had everything provided for me. My family had money. Um, as, and I was a good kid for the most part. Um, got A's and B's in school, played sports, loved sports. Um, so growing up, I just had a carefree childhood, didn't have to deal with anything growing up. Um, and one of my biggest concerns growing up was always, uh, like out of everything in life, I just never wanted to get sick because I would always hear of people who had uh, cancer and things like that. And I just couldn't fathom what that would be like to know that your body just doesn't function properly for no reason, you know. Um, so November of 2014, um, came around. It was right before me and Grace started dating. We were in Lafayette, um, and I was going to LCA at the time. Well, uh, I went home one day. I felt like my my right leg was like asleep, and it stayed like that for for a week, um, and it didn't change. Um, so we ended up going to the doctor. Um, and whenever we went, they just told me it was a pinched nerve and to not sit down at school as much. So I did that. Um, another week went by, still no change. I can't feel my right leg, uh, like from my calf down. And, uh, so one night I go to sleep, I wake up and the left side of my face is like, I can't feel it. I rolled over and I couldn't feel the left side of my face. So I told my mom, she was like, okay, we're going to the doctor. We're going to look more into this. Um, well, we went to the doctor. They got me a, uh, ran an MRI we're in the ER, and uh, the doctor comes back, and he says, I see, we don't know what it is, but there's a spot on your brain. Um, we're going to run more tests to see. At that point, they were thinking they wanted to cut me open and take a brain biopsy of whatever the spot was. Thankfully, other doctors came in and was like, let's not do that yet, but... Uh, <laughs> 
um, before we cut this kid open. I'm 17 at the time, so this is culture shock. I mean, I'm an athletic kid, um, grew up playing sports, and now I can't feel my face and my leg. So I'm kind of freaking out at this point. Um, but one of the uh, neurologists come in and uh, they basically break the news to us. I have something called uh, multiple sclerosis. And what that means is multiple scars. Um, but what it does is my immune system, so what fights infection and things like that, attacks my uh, nervous system, which is my brain and my spinal cord, for whatever reason. They don't know what causes it, um, and they don't know how to cure it. They can only try to prevent it. So back in the 90s, whenever you were diagnosed with MS, it was basically like a death sentence um, for the most part. So what would end up happening is people would, uh, you know, have these flare-ups. Um, and like for me, I had numbness in my leg, which eventually, before they got it under control, was spread to the whole right side of my body and then the whole left side of my head. Um, I couldn't feel it at all, even my teeth and my tongue on the left side. Um, thankfully, it was just numbness, and they were able to give me some medication to stop it in its tracks. Um, and the feeling came back. Um, but after that, it was just such a process. Um, I felt like before that happened, I was in a really good space spiritually. Um, and growing up this whole time, you know, I'm following God the whole way. Um, and right before this happened, I just went on an encounter. Um, and I settled things with, like, my father that had been built up. He went on it with me. Um, just, you know, really good space spiritually. And uh, and then this happens. So I'm like, what in the world? You know, everything that I've grown up believing, seeing my parents believe for stuff, financially, health-wise, and then I get hit with this, um, and I didn't understand why, you know. Um, I remember my mom saying whenever I was in the hospital, she, and it's still, I, I think back to this today, and she, she would always tell me, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be okay. Um, and then they have this verse, which has kind of been the theme during the whole testimony series, um, which is being confident of this very thing, that he who be has begun a good work in you uh, will complete it. And that's Philippians 1.6. Um, so I had to just kind of, through faith, and it's something that I still deal with now, um, have to constantly go over and, you know, declare this over my life, that he who began a good work in me will, you know, see it pass. Because MS is something that, um, like I said, I'll have to deal with for the rest of my life. There's no cure for it. Um, and I'm constantly praying that it doesn't, uh, you know, end up flaring up again. Because uh, worst case scenario with that, and whenever I was 17, I was Googling all this stuff and it just freaked me out, you know. Uh, like WebMD, you know, had the worst case scenarios. But it'd be like not walking. You know, like I could be put in a wheelchair um, if I wake up tomorrow and I wouldn't ever know um, when it was coming or, you know, what caused it to happen, really. Um, so being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will complete it. What is a good work at the end of the day? In this scripture, he's talking about 
um, really just love and meekness, you know, because um, that's the only things that will matter at the end of the day, whenever we stand before God, nothing else will measure up. We can't take anything else with us. So with this, I have now credibility in this area for other people, you know, um, and I'm still doing good. So I'm a very good example of even if even in a situation like that, um, that God can still use it for good, you know. Um, another verse, uh, we know that all things work together for good uh, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose to be conformed to the image of his son. Um, trials can cause us despair if we don't see God's purpose in using them um, in our life. The devil tells us that our trials are proof that we are forgotten by God, disqualified from his blessings, destined to fail, or that our relationship with God is not genuine. That was a big thing for me whenever I first got diagnosed. I thought it was because of my sin that I, uh, you know, I had this. Um, and I felt like, you know, I was, I was just being punished, um. Not punished by God, but this was the consequence for messing up, you know, um, when it, it's not that at all. <laughs> um, the devil just tries to throw those thoughts at you, and I, I still have to battle with him to this day, you know, um, because it's something that isn't curable. But, um, you know, God says otherwise um, in that aspect. Um so last verse, I'll close with this. We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So through trials and circumstances in our life, it puts pressure on us. Through my life, I never grew up. I didn't have any pressures at all. But what this causes in my life is perseverance to persevere through something. And when, whenever, whatever the devil tries to use as something to tear you down, God can still use it. It works all things for those who love him. So through this, um, like I said, I'll, I'll be able to help a lot of people who uh, are going through similar situations. Um, and then I have a history with God now, you know, to look back on through, through my life whenever other um circumstances or situations uh, arise, and I'll be able to look back and see how God has uh, kept me and restored me and uh, is keeping me healthy so far. So um, I'll close with that, and that's, that's basically it. Yep. So if you guys would stand with me, you know, as... As you've noticed, as, as Luke just mentioned, there's been certain themes uh, throughout the testimony nights. And tonight, I think there's a theme of faith when we don't see things, having faith to believe God. And there's also a theme of not allowing negative circumstances to thwart or taint our relationship with God and to keep a relationship at the forefront, regardless of what comes the enemy will always try to use a negative circumstance to try to paint a bad picture on who God is. And so I think what I've gotten the most out of the testimonies tonight 
is that despite what we see, God can do anything. And the other part is when Jesus talks about remaining in me and I'll remain in you, he's not talking about a religious pursuit. He's talking about remain in relationship with me and my relationship will will remain with you. And so if you can, um, just as we wrap up tonight, just uh, focus on the Lord for a second and more uh, intentionally think about your relationship with God right now. Um, Do you feel like, do you feel like number one, it's a genuine relationship with God or is there any area in you that feels like it's a task, feels like it's a burden? Um, The good news is that if you do feel like it's a task or a burden, God doesn't want it to be that way. Like Grace's example, when she was throwing those metaphorical stones at God, he wasn't even worried about the hurt of the stones. He was just glad to be talking to her again. God is more concerned with that relationship than performance. So if you're here and you would just want to say to the Lord, let's just take a moment now to respond to that testimony and say, God, I and I, I want to I want a real relationship with you. Maybe I've had one in the past. You know, maybe I even maybe I'm technically saved, but I don't know that my relationship is current and I want it to be. If that's your prayer tonight, just make that known to God right there, right where you're at. You know, another thing to pray for is maybe you've got an area in your life or somebody else's life and you're praying in that area. Why don't you declare right now the prayer that you're asking for? Just right where you are, just between you and the Lord, whatever that specific thing is. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, things not yet seen. Maybe you can't see it, but God didn't tell us to see it. He told us to have faith for it and to pray for it. And then the other thing that I wanted to cover, maybe there's a circumstance that has happened in your life that whether you consciously allowed it or not, it's kind of painted a negative picture on the Lord. And you need to you need to take that negative picture off of God tonight. If that's you, just be real before God. Maybe there's some anger or some bitterness or some hurt there. Maybe you feel like that thing happened because you did something wrong. But man, like we heard tonight, that's not the case. Maybe God wants you to see him for who he is and not what the devil did and the picture that the devil painted on him. And so if that's you, just just say that right now. Lord, I, I want a fresh, a fresh picture of you. God, I just thank you that throughout this whole series, I thank you that every person that shared just touched a, a different person in the room. Lord, I thank you that the body of Christ is diverse and that you give us all different stories and different testimonies because it needs to reach a diverse group of people. And Lord, I just thank you that you used everyone in this room tonight to either or, or throughout this series to either speak their testimony or you've implanted in them what they're going to need to go out and create and build on their testimony. God, thank you for using us. Thank you for using everybody involved. Thank you for the hearers and thank you for the speakers. God, we just pray for a continued work, a continued building in every person's life in here. 
Lord, I just pray right now that you would give a special grace, a special empowerment to every student and every person in here. That, God, we wouldn't have any fear, that we wouldn't have any timidness. Lord, I break off fear right now in Jesus' name. I break off a religious spirit that's operating in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I just thank you that a spirit of authenticity, Holy Spirit, that you would just have your way in every person's life. Lord, I just speak a blessing over everyone here. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.